Straight Talk from Israel. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel. I'll be joined with Rabbi David Aaron after the break. Do you ever find yourself holding on to things that just aren't serving you? And when I say holding on to things, it can be a variety of things. It can be certain emotions that just are eating you up. Anger, resentment, frustration, you may any of those unpleasant emotions that you think, why would I want that? That doesn't make me feel good. And yet I can be holding on to anger that's hurting me more than whoever it is that I'm angry at. It can be resentments. It can be beliefs. Sometimes we have certain limiting beliefs that we've just been holding on to for years and years. Maybe someone told us something that you're just not going to amount to much. You're not very intelligent. There's no way you can accomplish certain things. Maybe we've been labeled as lazy or not overly intelligent. And these are just beliefs we've held on to about ourselves because someone said it years ago, or that's how I felt about myself years ago, even if no one said it. But is that still true today? Maybe it's not true. Maybe it's just something I'm limiting myself because I'm holding on to it. There can be certain, again, emotional pain, and there can be certain behaviors that maybe just aren't serving us anymore that we still, maybe I recognize in my head, this isn't a healthy behavior for me. I need to stop this. Why am I still doing it? It's some, again, the first step is having a recognition that something isn't serving me anywhere anymore, and I really need to let it go. The next step is actually being able to let it go. And sometimes, even when we have that recognition, I may recognize this emotion, this behavior, this thought, It's not serving me. If anything, it's serving me to hurt me. It's destructive. It's not helping me be the best version of myself. It's not helping me feel good about myself. I may recognize that and yet still hold on to it, not let it go. And my question is why? Why is it even when we recognize that certain thoughts, behaviors, feelings are just not working well, they're not serving us, maybe even certain relationships with people in our lives, it's just causing more pain, then it's not healthy. Why, why do I keep this person in my life? It's not necessary. Why do I keep this emotion? Why do I keep these thoughts? So again, first, we have to recognize what is serving me and what's not serving me. What might be best for me to say goodbye to, to let go of, to replace it with something that's healthier and better. But even once I have that recognition, why is it so hard to let go? That's what I want to ask the rabbi after the break. How can I understand myself better, understanding why it's so hard? Why do we hold on to things? Why am I holding on to things that aren't serving me? And even if I have the recognition, what steps can I take to let something go that just isn't working for me? If anything, it might be destructive for me. When we return Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Israel is located in one of the most volatile areas in the world. Israel is an island of stability and a sea of war and unrest. In the midst of this turmoil, Israel stands out as a beacon of order and human progress. Each week we update you on what's happening in this, the Jewish state, a true light unto the nations. This is Jay Shapiro. Join me every Thursday on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome to Soul Talk. This is Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron. Rabbi Aaron, so often in life, we hold on to things that are just not serving us. And it can be emotions that aren't serving us, sometimes resentments, anger. 
it eats us up and hurts us more than often, whatever it is or whoever it is that we're holding, you know, holding that anger for. It can be a certain relationship that's maybe not serving us, certain beliefs that maybe at some time did service. And now we really need to let them go. Sometimes they were just limiting beliefs that aren't necessarily true and holding on to them can just hold us back. So why is it, even when we have that awareness, I'm holding on to something, this is not serving me, it's not good for me, it's holding me back from the better version of myself I could become. Why do we hold on to things that don't serve us and how can we learn to let them go? Well, I think the, uh, I think the issue is identity. Uh, I have something I call solpan, not ulpan, but solpan, which is learning to speak the language of the soul. And uh, in learning how to speak the language of the soul, when I, I uh, instruct people to appreciate is we often become our emotions, we become our thoughts, we become our ideas, our opinions, our behavior. And so if, if in, and so a person should never say, uh, I'm angry, they should say, I feel angry. Um, and, and the same thing with thoughts. They should say, this is my thought, uh, but this is not who I am. I can let go of that thought. What, what basically happens is I think the reason why it's hard to let go of emotions or let go of thoughts or opinions or whatever is because we've so identified with it. We think we are that thought. And if we let go of it, it's as if we're dying. And we need to first and foremost, step away from the thought, look at the thought, maybe even give it a name, maybe imagine it having a color, maybe imagine it having a shape, but somehow step away from the thought and, and then dialogue with the thought and ask you know, this thought, how, how are you serving me? How does this help? But I think the problem is that, you know, let's say a person makes a mistake in the behavior and they so identify with their behavior that they think like if i stop acting this way that's like like i die i, I that's the end of me and uh, so in soul pun what i teach people is you are a soul and you have thoughts and you have emotions and you have opinions and you have beliefs and you and, and you have physical sensations but you're not that you have that and so uh, I think that's a, a, a huge problem that we so identify with our thoughts that if I say my thought is wrong, then that immediately means I'm, I'm wrong. But I could never be wrong because I'm a soul that could have thought wrong and now I could think right. Hmm. I mean, just that awareness and recognition that the longer I have a certain emotion or thought the more it sort of ingratiates and integrates itself into me. And then therefore the harder it is to let it go. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it is me. Meaning that distinction, that recognition of is I am used to me being this person that has anger towards a certain person, let's say. And it's been that way for maybe 20 years. And so therefore that's just something that's been sitting with me so long, but it's not who I am, meaning separating, but it isn't who I am. It's just a feeling. It's an emotion. It's a thought. It's a combination of thoughts and emotions. And if I'm ready to start letting those thoughts and emotion go and change, then I can start releasing them. They don't have to stay just because they've been here for the past 20 years. Right. The, the, the point I, I'm making here is that, but that is for a lot of people, a question of life and death, because I have so identified with this emotion 
that letting it go is almost as if something about me is going to die or maybe not even something about me, maybe even more than just something. And so it, it, it's really a completely different paradigm of kind of looking at emotions and stepping away from them and looking at them and asking whether it's like your clothing, you know, a person, I'm not my clothing, I wear clothing, uh, but if a person can't change their clothing, that would be pretty unhealthy. Well, so, so in a certain way, our emotions become emotional garments and our thoughts become emotional, you know, you know, intellectual garments. And we need to make sure that we didn't sew those garments into our skin mm. and say, okay, I had that thought and now I have a new thought. You know, there's a story in the Talmud about a rabbi who uh, had a theory that every time in the Torah it says the word et, which is the definite article, uh, you know, I'm going to throw you at the ball, the ball. So somehow he, he believed that it somehow hinted to something else and it included something else. And so then he got to a verse that said, et Hashem tirah, you should have reverence for God. And the word et was there, but how could you include, including somebody else to revere? And so he gave up his uh, theory, even though he had figured out so many ets, and somebody asked him, you know, how did you do that? You know, you spent all this time proving your theory, and then you finally get to one that that just knocked your entire theory, you know, out the window. And he said, well, just got like I got reward for figuring out all the ets. I'll now get rewards realizing that I was wrong. Hmm. And so he he just wasn't. He, he wasn't cemented into his idea, but very often people get cemented into their ideas or their opinions or their, their, their feelings. And uh, when you live as a soul, you say that, you know, it's kind of like, imagine you're a mirror and, uh, and, and a cat walks by and the mirror starts to think, oh, look at me, I'm a cat. And then the cat leaves and then a dog shows up. He says, wait a second, I'm a dog. And you're not, you're a mirror and you should be able to let it go and not become and, and not go with it. Hmm. Except as you're explaining, it's a scary thing to let it go because we've in integrated and identified ourselves with this thought or emotion for so long. It's almost like a death process to let it go, which really actually explains sometimes you wonder when a person, okay, if we don't have awareness that something isn't serving us and is harmful to us, then it's hard to recognize I need to let it go. But many are at a stage where I recognize there is some part of my life, a person, a thought, an emotion uh, that is destructive. And yet I keep holding on to it. Why do I keep holding on to it if I recognize it's not good for me? And you're really explaining because as, as much as it would be better for me to let it go, it's so painful and it's scary to let it go because it's, I have to it's let worse, it's worse than It's worse than painful. Literally, I don't, I don't, I'm not conscious of it, but deep inside, I feel that there's that something about me will die because this, this is me. This is who I am rather than this is what I thought and this is what I felt. But people get to a point that this is who I am. And uh, letting go of that is, 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 is an experience of death. Uh, but it doesn't have to be if a person can step away from it and say, wait a second, I'm, you know, I, I'm, I'm like that 
I'm like that mirror. I, I'm not going to become my thoughts. I'm going to look at them. I'm going to use them. I'm going to reflect upon them. And I'm going to let them go if they no longer serve the truth. So in a sense, a person has to really be able to almost, so to speak, come outside of myself to really see myself, because when I'm still in myself, in my thoughts, in my emotions, I can't fully take that step outside, see it, examine it, make a more conscious decision, even for the inner parts of myself, what's working for me, what's not working for me, or yes, this is like a death experience, but it's something I have to go through so that the new version of me, which will be happier and more wholesome will come out. Like I can't really make those determinations if I don't step out outside of myself to examine myself. Well, the beginning of all personal transformation is the ability to step away and look at your behavior, look at your emotions, look at your thoughts. Uh, and, and that's one of the extraordinary uh, skills of a human being. We are life aware of life. We are awareness aware of awareness. It's, it's the weirdest thing. I, I can be in my anger, and yet there's something about me that is watching my anger and able to say, I, this is a mistake, I shouldn't be screaming. So, uh, and, and we need to be able to begin to identify those moments of transcendence um, that can't transcend our thought, our emotions, and our feelings, and because we are souls. Doing so, though, I'd imagine really takes a certain amount of practice. If it's not something that we're used to, maybe you never have even tried this before. We're so used to being in our thoughts, we don't actually take a step outside of them. And learning how to do that is, is a real practice, be able, being able to have the skills, the ability, again, almost like an observer of yourself. Right. I think we once uh, did a show about this. You know, a, a good exercise is to sit there and close your eyes and be aware of physical sensations. And in your head, say, I have physical sensations, but I'm watching them. I'm not them. I, I'm not my physical sensations. And then be aware of your emotions and say in your head, I have emotions, but I am not my emotions. I'm looking at them. I'm watching them. And then look at thoughts and realize I have thoughts, but I'm not my thoughts. I'm looking at them and I transcend them. So who am I? I am, I am that I am, or the truth is I am that God is because I can't have self-awareness. I didn't generate self-awareness on my own. But when I'm able to be that pure field of awareness and embrace thoughts without getting lost or controlled by those thoughts, uh, that is a person that is truly uh, liberated. I mean, this is the stories that we're seeing in the Torah. In fact, in, in this week's uh, portion, uh, you know, talking about Jacob, our, 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 we are taught by the Torah that Jacob was the epitome of truth. And yet you see his life is filled with deception and lies and manipulations. And you say, how could this man be described as the epitome of truth? It's because he had the ability to transcend that attribute. Yes, he was naturally a man of tremendous truth. But there are certain situations where the only way you could survive is to is to is to deceive you know if you were a spy uh, you're going to have to deceive in order to save your country but let's say you're just a i'm just a true i'm i'm just an honest guy i can't do that so that's what we need to learn to do is to transcend our characters act out our characters when needed when we return soul talk rabbi david aaron and leora mandel the Tamar Yona Show. Tamar? She's sassy. She's smart. She's funny. But she's also a real Jewish mother. 
Hi, everybody. I'm Tamar Yona. And yes, I can be all of those things. But at Israel News Talk Radio, I'm here to bring you the news stories and guests that you may not hear anywhere else. Join me live on air Sundays, Mondays, and Tuesdays for the most unique and bold talk radio in Israel. The Tamar Yona Show. Shalom, I'm Leah Aharoni. Join me on my show, News from the Torah. Each Sunday, we'll use the weekly Torah portion as a prism for understanding the news today. Listen to News from the Torah to gain clarity about the times we're living in and to understand your own spiritual path in the process. News from the Torah every Sunday on Israel News Talk Radio. Hello and welcome back to Soul Talk, Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, talking to the rabbi about how to let go of things that aren't serving us, things that are holding us back, emotions, thoughts, um, relationships, different parts of ourselves that just aren't working well for us. How do we let them go? And as Rabbi, you pointed out, it, it's beyond painful. It's like a death experience, and which is why often we hold on to these things. And you spoke about Jacob right before the break, but which is a very powerful example to understand how sometimes we have to make these transitions, even when they're so painful. I think of, I'm thinking of, let's say another example, let's say a person who has a lot of anger and let's say and it could be anything. It could be, a, they went through a terrible divorce and they were mistreated by their spouse, or they had a parent that was very um, abusive to them. There can be a lot of situations. Unfortunately, you can say, I understand why you're angry. And a person carried this anger around them for years. And at a certain point, there's this realization is I'm hurting myself more than anybody else through the anger I'm carrying, but I'm just so used to holding on to it. How do I let it go? Right. Well, you know, one of the things you mentioned is uh, how to let go of things that are not serving us. I do think that one of the reasons we're not letting go of things that are not serving us is because they actually still are serving us Mm. and we are unconscious of it. There's a takeaway that's going on. Uh, there's something about being angry at this person that I actually feel good about. I know it's wrong, but I'm still profiting from it because I'm able to blame them and not take responsibility for my own behavior. Or, I'm, uh, or, or if I let go of it, then I'm going to have to admit that I've been holding on to something for 10 years and I've wasted 10 years. So, I, uh, so there's a... Uh, uh, so I, it actually is serving me in that I don't want to feel the pain of realizing that I was wrong for all these years. And so I think that's a big issue, too, whereby a person needs to really ask themselves, maybe I'm holding on to this because I'm still gaining from it. And what is it that I'm gaining? You know, it could be that um, I'm, I'm gaining not having to do anything because I'm able to blame this person and be angry at them. I'm depressed because if I'm depressed, then I've got a good excuse not to go to work or not to take responsibility and all kinds of other silly things. I think there is a takeaway that's going on. People are profiting from negative things and, um, and they have to, um, first of all, identify you know, how is this actually serving me well? And, and is that what is really the best? Is that really serving me well? But I think that's an issue also, that people are stuck in something because they are in some way benefiting from it. Hmm. So this really gives a very important an additional understanding of why we might hold on to things that in some level 
are causing us problems, not serving us well. But on the other hand, as you're pointing out, they are. But this, along with what you said before the break during the first segment, really takes a I need to observe myself. I need to get out of myself to really examine myself so I can really understand. On the one hand, it doesn't make sense. I'd hold on to anger, resentment that's hurting me more than anybody else. On the other hand, I have to understand, but this must be serving me in some some way. Why would I hold on to it? Or let me just, it's so much, I identify with it so much as much as maybe I don't like it, but I need to recognize and start training myself to realize this isn't who I am. This isn't who I have to be, even though this process is going to be painful. Right. I think we're, um, we can so easily delude ourselves and we can be in a, in a very uh, intellectual place of saying, you know, this doesn't serve me, but deep down emotionally in our hearts, it actually is serving us. And I think that probably would take talking to somebody, you know, to help you. That's the great thing about getting a mentor is that when you talk to somebody, they kind of help you step away from yourself because they're not inside of you and they're looking at you from outside and hearing what they have to say from their outside point of view helps you also step outside. And, uh, and having someone ask you that difficult question, well, what is it that you're enjoying about this anger? And a person might say, nothing, how could I enjoy anger? Well, but if you were enjoying something, what possibly could it be? And, um, you know, um, one of the things I do with students is when they're having an issue, I say, let's play a game. You'll be me and I'll be you. And they say, well, I'm not you. I know it's a game. And then I will ask them, you know, I'll pretend to be them. I'll pose their question to them as if they are the rabbi. And it's amazing how they come up with amazing answers. It's really a funny kind of a very simple method that people actually do often know the answers, but they have to step away. And maybe you step away and pretend that there's somebody else answering the question. Mm. So again, it's having that ability to step outside of ourselves. There's so many aspects of what we've spoken about, which is making you realize how important this ability is to we, and in certain ways we know ourselves better than anybody else. In other ways, because we're so close to ourselves, we really can't see the full picture. It's almost like if you have, you know, a small image on a piece of paper, but it's literally right in front of your eyeballs, you're so close to it, you can't fully see it, or you can see only that one small, let's say a circle, but you can't see the context of what's going on around it and being able to zoom out, pull back. Yeah, but I'm not sure we know ourselves better than anybody else. I think that's the problem. Mm. I think we're so um, involved with ourselves that, um, and, and I think also there is a certain bias in terms of a selective memory of what we've chosen to remember about our past. And we might talk to a, a sibling or a parent, and the parent will remind us things that we forgot about. Because it, it's interesting and it's important to stand that our, we ha- we've created in our minds a self-image, but that's not who we are. That's a thought. You're a thinker. You're not the thought. And as a thinker, you've come up with thoughts about yourself, which are very selective and, and, and somewhat biased. And it, it could very well be that you need to really talk to somebody outside of you um, just like uh, I had once mentioned, that my, my wife is a graphologist and a drawing analyst, and 
she'd look at the picture that I drew and she said something about me that really shocked me. And, but I knew it was true as soon as she said it, but I didn't know that before. And so you'd say, well, who knows ourselves better than us? Actually, I, I question whether we're always uh, so good at really knowing ourselves and maybe we would do well asking someone professional or asking someone who knows us for a long time. Hmm. That is a very good point, because in a sense, we're just too close ultimately then to really being able to see the full picture. So we do need to step outside. Now, I have a question. Let's say going back to the anger. On the one hand, I think we'd say it's reasonable if someone really hurt you to be angry the first day after, really be angry. On the other hand, I think we'd all agree that 20 years later to be holding on to that anger, it's, it's not serving anybody. It's just destructive. So, at, I mean, there's a reasonable amount of time to, let's say, have a certain emotion, even if we'd say it's negative, destructive. It's part of being, you know, human nature, human being. But then there's a certain time at which all of a sudden that situation, it's, it's just, you know, as you were talking about the danger of it, you hold on to it too long, you start identifying with it. As much as it's destructive, it's serving you in some way, it's much harder to let go of. So how do you make sure that initial stage doesn't like take hold and just become what starts out as a visitor, just become a long-term resident that's just destructive? You, you got to get it over the plate fast and, and, and not keep it too long. Um, I remember, uh, and I, I'm sure I've shared this story many times, you know, when my wife and I got married and the first morning we were taking a walk and we met a perfect stranger and he said, uh, oh, uh, you know, Mazel Tov, congratulations on your wedding. And we had no clue who he was. And he said, I apologize. I couldn't make it last night. And we, we were happy. He didn't because we don't know who he is. And he said, but I'd like to give you a gift. And uh, I said, oh, okay. And he said, uh, never go to sleep on an, on an argument. Make it your rule that you will always go to sleep with peace as long as it takes to work out whatever is, you know, you know, whatever conflict you, you're feeling. And uh, we thought, wow, what a cynic. Like, what he, we're never going to have an argument. And uh, it was really, and it is really a gift in our lives that we don't let things go long, you know, and uh, we could sometimes be up till two, three in the morning until we really make peace on something that we, you know, had a, a, a disagreement with or anybody feeling hurt by something. And we, we really, worked very hard to not let things fester. And a lot of people let things fester. Now, I've shared this rule with others, and some people disagree with it, that sometimes it's, it's asking a lot to deal with it that night. So I said, okay, fine. So deal with it, you know, let it go for one night, not two nights. But people let things go for a long time, and then it becomes really uncomfortable to bring it up again. And now it looks like there's something wrong with me that I'm so sensitive. And um, so I, I really believe that we have to kind of get it over with as soon as possible, not let it lie there, ferment, fester, and become more, you know, and, and take more root. Just let it go fast by getting dealing with it but you know what what motivates us is pleasure and pain you know we want more pleasure we want to avoid pain but avoiding pain is a lot more motivating than embracing pleasure 
And so, yes, it would be tremendous pleasure if I could make peace with my friend, but there's a tremendous amount of pain having to open this thing up again. And, uh, and pain often uh, wins over pleasure. And so I'm avoiding the pain of having to confront person. I'm avoiding the pain of having to bring this up again and reliving it. But it's there. and We got to get it over with. Mm. But recognizing what you're bringing out is that, you know, I may be avoiding something because of the pain involved, but recognizing that's why I'm avoiding it, even though it's actually not serving me. And it's also causing me pain, meaning not not dealing with it's causing me pain, dealing with it will be very painful, but then I can move on. Even that recognition is such a powerful tool for change. When we return, Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. In a time where feelings have become fact where rational thought and common sense has disappeared. One man stands above it all. I'm Howie Sobaker, your political hitman. Local Hitman airs every Tuesday at 11.59 p.m. North American time, 7 a.m. Israeli time, only on Israel News Talk Radio. Are you interested in transforming your life, drawing closer to the Creator, and uncovering the deeper meanings and hidden treasures in the Hebrew Bible? Then join me, Rav Yitzhak Michelson, and me, William Hall, on the Science of Kabbalah, where we are seeking to narrow the gap between what we understand of our physical and spiritual worlds. So make sure to tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Israel Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, here on Israel News Talk Radio. Welcome back to Soul Talk, Leora Mandel with Rabbi David Aaron, talking about holding on to pain, to emotional pain, to thoughts that are painful, that are not helping us, serving us well, uh, emotions like resentment and anger, limiting beliefs that are just anything that we're holding on to that's just not serving us, understanding why we do it and how we can stop doing it. And Rabbi, you're giving such really life-changing perspectives, tools, and tips about how to understand ourselves and what to do about this phenomena that we all have in some way or another. So let's say we get to this point where let's say in my head, I recognize, you know what? I sort of tried to go outside of myself. I realize this is not, I mean, I, it's serving me, which is why I've been holding on to it. I, I haven't, you know, by being angry at this person now, I don't have to take any responsibility for maybe my part. I don't really want to deal with that, but I sort of recognize, you know what, I'm not going to be able to move on in my life. I'm stuck here for the past number of years. If I don't start letting some of this stuff go and, and turning to myself and seeing what I need to do. So let's say intellectually, I recognize I need to let this go. But sometimes we have these intellectual times of clarity, but emotionally, I just find I'm still holding on to this. So what do we do sometimes when we have this, like this challenge of this break between um, intellectual or thought, I recognize maybe have a clarity that something's not working for me. I need to make a change, but emotionally, I just can't let it go. Right. Well, one thing I do want to point out that, uh, I, 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 I believe that, you know, when a person gets hurt emotionally, it takes time to heal just as much as somebody gets hurt physically. It takes time to heal. And, um, you know, okay, it could be if someone's holding on to this for years and years, fine. But sometimes, it, you know, I've been emotionally hurt uh, and I just see it's like a bruise. And it, you just like, somehow we think emotions can just kind of come and go. 
where, you know, if somebody, if somebody punched me and I have a bruise there on my arm, well, that I just can't get rid of. It's just going to take time. So I do want to point out that I think people should uh, appreciate that sometimes it does take time to just, just kind of heal. Uh, but if it's not healing, then somehow I think we're feeding it. And, um, and, it, and, it, and it goes back to being able to ask myself the question, have I so identified with it that it's become part of who I am and I'm afraid to let go of it? Or is it something that I'm still getting something from it and that's why I'm not letting go of it because it's somehow benefiting me? Or is it that I'm afraid to confront this person because I'm avoiding the pain of maybe they're going to point out to me how it was also my fault too. And I'm happy being angry at them and not interested in finding out that they're actually angry at me too. Uh, we play a lot of games with our heads, but uh, we are wasting a lot of time, precious, precious lifetime, um, not dealing with things in, in a... Uh, you know, in a timely fashion. Mm. Yeah, I'm, I'm pulling a lot of things together that you're talking about. And I think there's a big part of this, which is also, am I active in my life, like proactive or just passive? Meaning even the example you gave about with your wife that you made a decision, we can't let things fester, right? But that was a very conscious decision that then affected how you were then proactively dealing with things that could, so to speak, you know, take hold and sit and simmer and simmer and simmer and simmer and just cause you know, problems or realizing, as you were saying, you know, of course, human nature is emotionally, I might be hurt and it does take time to work through these things. But if I make the decision of recognizing, yes, right now I'm hurt, but this is not something I, I it's not going to be good for me to hold on to this forever. I have to let this thing heal as opposed to just let it sit and sit and sit and sit. Sometimes that can make all the difference. Again, if I recognize everything we're talking about here of, I, need to be proactive in doing what I can to not let certain things that aren't serving me stay or the ones that are already have taken hold for many years, do the actions that you're explaining, which are so powerful of take that step outside of myself, go to someone who can help me really see things, examine it, even with the pain involved to realize these are the steps I have to take, but it takes action, not just being passive because the passive route is just a lot of negativity is going to st stay in us and simmer. Right. Well, you know, I, well, uh, one situation that I was dealing with uh, someone and they were very, very angry at somebody and they described how this person hurt them. And I said, but when you think about it, isn't it pathetic that they behave that way? And maybe they're just doing the best they can with the tools they have because they themselves had a very tough childhood. And 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 it's and it's just pathetic that they behave that way. Why be angry at them? Why not have compassion and sympathy for them? And feel sorry that they behave that way. And he said, well, I never thought of it that way. And so I think sometimes we can turn anger into compassion by realizing, you know, it's so sad this person spoke to me this way. And they're so not self-aware that, 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 that those words are so hurtful. And I feel sorry that this person is so, you know, unaware of themselves and, and maybe so reactive that they could behave this way. Uh, but the whole point is that we take things so personally when it might be not your fault. It might not be your problem. 
maybe it's their problem. And I think part of getting angry is I think there's a little bit of a feeling inside us that maybe we deserve this and I'm angry about that. Mm. But if I know that I didn't deserve any of this and I can honestly say that this person treated me in a way that I don't deserve to be treated. And if they behave that way, then it's their problem. And it's really sad that they have that problem. And being angry at them is like, you know, they say uh, some Chinese proverb, being angry at somebody is like drinking poison and hoping the other person will die. So like, what do I need to continue to, you know, give this life? It's very powerful what you're bringing out here is that we, we all have a story that we're telling ourselves about any given situation. And maybe I've been telling myself the same story. Or this guy was telling himself the same story for years about and, and the story justified his anger. And all of a sudden you were able to give him a different a little bit of a different story about the same story of why don't you just see this guy's, you know, it's pathetic. And this is sad. And he has his own history that maybe led him to this. And he has a lot of it's about him, not about you. And all of a sudden, the whole perspective on the situation can change. And I think this is also so powerful. There's so many stories. Maybe I was told all my life, you know, you're lazy. You're not going to amount to anything. Whatever the beliefs are, let's say, that I'm holding on to. These are stories. But I can change my story. And if I tell myself a different story, it's just a thought. I can let, That's another way to sort of let go of something different, realizing it's a story. And if I change the story then my whole perspective, my whole feeling, my whole, my emotions will change too surrounding it. Yeah. I once heard it put very well that there's, you know, three departments, there's my department, your department and God's department. And very often we get confused. Is this my problem, his problem, or maybe this is God's problem and neither of us can handle this. And I think sometimes we take ownership of problems that are not ours and we get really emotionally riled up about it when, you know what, this is not my problem. And they spoke this way. They treated me this way. And, uh, and, and I don't deserve that. And if they behave this way, then they, they really have a problem. And I'm, it's very sad that they do. And gee, I'd love to help them so they not do this to other people but maybe I'm not the right person to help them. But again, I have to identify whose problem is this? My problem, their problem, or God's problem? Wow, that is powerful. <laughs> and I think it That's would take lie. a lot off of our shoulders because there's three it's categories. Not, it's not my wisdom, but I've heard it before. No, but it's very powerful, especially on the topic we're talking about, because I think it's the most frustration is when we're putting energy into the two categories that aren't ours. If it's God's problem, I need to, you know, maybe I have to accept, but I'm not supposed to be busy doing things. The only category I'm supposed to be working in is my own. But I think so often we take on other people's problems or God's problems and try to hold on to them, manipulate them, force them. They're simmering within us. And if we can just recognize this distinction and let go of those other things. And and if it is my problem, then that's great, because then there is something that I can do. And that's where I should be putting my energy. Right. Look, this comes up a lot with parents and children. Very often parents own their children's problems. And they say his problem, her problem is my problem. But no, it could be their problem. And uh, and they need to go through it. And and by you taking their problem, you're going to cause them to only keep that problem longer because they're going to learn that they don't have to deal with problems. And so, uh, you know, uh, recently this came up in a situation that uh, of someone I know, their daughter is having a hard time at school 
and the mother's taking it very personally and 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 uh and in our discussion with her uh we said listen she needs to learn how to grow through this problem you can't run in there and save her in every problem because that's not saving her that's destroying her you know a big part of life skill is learning how to cope with problems and if we don't let her cope with the problem then she's going to have less and less of a capacity to cope with problems. that's what they would say even in immunity you know like you have a sickness and 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 maybe you have to kind of struggle with the fever rather than right away popping in a, a you know uh, an aspirin you know your body gets strong by struggling with the fever of course depending on how high the fever is but sometimes people have a small fever and boom right away they just don't want to deal with it but when you don't deal with it then it just gets bigger and stronger and then when it comes back it gets even harder hmm. you know it's so important going back to what you initially said about the painful process and this death experience of letting certain things go that have become so a part of us. It is so important because it's exactly this point of recognizing if something feels painful, I want to run away from it. And just the awareness of realizing this is painful, but this is how it's supposed to be. And this is the process I have to go through to ultimately let go of this will enable me to really, um, instead of just, you know, it's painful, stop, run away. I can actually go through that process, realize that it is painful to let go of something, even if it's not, hasn't been good for me, has been serving me, has been holding me back, but it's been a part of me for so long. And if I can recognize the pain is actually a good sign, it's a sign, almost like the fever that something's in me that needs to come out. And I just have to let this natural process go, but then I'll be healthier. I'll be stronger afterwards instead of running away from it. That, that actually that pain can be power. I want to thank you all for joining us. Soul Talk, Rabbi David Aaron and Leora Mandel. Where can you get the inside news on Israel? At Israel News Talk Radio, we're dedicated to sharing Israel's inside story with the world by providing our listeners with news on Israeli politics, current affairs, and Israeli Jewish culture. The Israel News Talk Radio homepage also provides you, the listener, with useful information at your fingertips. With scrolling news headlines, weather, currency exchange, Shabbat candle lighting times, and so much more. Our radio programming is always accessible and on demand. We operate absolutely free of charge for everyone, everywhere. If you love what we do, partner with us now by becoming an Israel News Talk Radio supporter. With your support, you'll be inscribed on our Israel News Talk Radio Wall of Fame. There's nothing like us in the world. Be part of something great. Israel News Talk Radio. Straight talk from Israel. Howdy, this is Rita from Leak City, Texas, now living in Israel. And though my heart may have belonged to Texas, it now belongs to Israel and all the fantastic show hosts at Israel News Talk Radio. Hi, this is Michael Solomon from Kiryat Arba, Israel. And why do I love listening to Israel News Talk Radio? Because I love listening to the interesting interviews they do and their news reporting that most other media sources don't cover. Hey, this is Nicole Eko from Malmo, Sweden. It gets pretty cold here in Sweden, so I love cuddling up with a warm cup of tea while I listen to Israel News Talk Radio. Hey, everybody, this is Frank Norris from Tennessee. Me and my dog Buster really love listening to Israel News Talk Radio. <laughs> You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio.
news, opinion, and more. You're listening to Israel News Talk Radio. 